Good morning. Thanks for joining us here on the Roundtable Real Estate Simplified. This is your show about everything real estate. We're going to teach you everything you need to know and everything you probably shouldn't know all along the ways of buying, investing, and selling and holding real estate. So in the studio with us, we've got Melissa Delano with Delano Law as well as John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance. Welcome to the studios. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So one of the topics that a lot of people ask about, you know, are like as homeowners, when they're getting prepared to sell, even if they're buying, you should always think about the exit strategy. You should always think about what type of costs are going to hit me when I'm selling. And we're going to be talking more about this on the legal end with Melissa in the next segment. However, when you're selling, there's certain things you should avoid that are going to be costly mistakes. Certain things you can do to really cost yourself a lot of money that you probably should have avoided, right? We see those all of the time. Yeah. So Emilio, I I always question, how does a seller decide pricing? Pricing? Yeah. I mean, what you want to do first off is you don't necessarily want to go on like Zillow or one of the automated websites where they give you some, you know, value from an algorithm. Your home is unique and it has a unique location in the neighborhood. What if your home is situated next to a cemetery? It's going to be a lot different than a home that would be down the road right in the middle of the lovely neighborhood overlooking the lake completely different thing. Zillow doesn't know that. And Zillow doesn't know that, you know, and they, and they do a good job. But on average, I read somewhere that they're about 14,000 off high or low. That's a big chunk. Right? I would have thought it'd be even higher. Yeah. I mean, in some areas, some neighborhoods, it can be. But and that's just the average. I mean, there's probably. Yeah. Extremes. Yeah. That's the average. So you want to make sure that you have a, a real estate expert, somebody that does this all of the time and that knows your area but more importantly, knows the market, where it's going, because that's important too. If you if you overprice a home and price it for the market that we just got out of, mm. you're going to crash and burn and you're going to lose a lot of money. So you want to use a professional realtor though. You don't want to yeah. just use somebody who's, you know, a, my you know aunt who's part-time realtor. Like you need, it, yeah. there really is a benefit to using somebody like yourself who's full-time real, you, realtor, understand the market, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah, thank you very much. So it's like, you know what, and everybody wants to help their family and friends out. But this at the end of the day, this, this is a business transaction. Real estate is a business transaction. And you're hiring somebody that hire is either going to make you or lose you a lot of money. So if you have a part time person coming in, they're not going to have the knowledge They're they're, they're not going to have all of the experience that someone full time tackles every single day and deals with every single day. You know, and when it comes to pricing a home, what you want to do is you really want to pull comparable sales that are pretty much like your home, but you have to make adjustments along the way. Some of the comparables that the agent could be pulling may need a new roof or it may need or it may have an extra bedroom. So you have to almost like an appraiser adjust for those items. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Good information, because those are definitely things I think most sellers just assume everybody's doing the same job. Yeah. So I guess number one on the list, it's safe to say one of the most costly things to avoid is pricing your home wrong. Mm-hmm. Wrong, yeah. I think another costly mistake you're going to want to avoid, the same thing when you're buying as well, um, you know, and there's probably a lot more buyers on Instagram than, than sellers, but when you're buying as well, you want to avoid hiring the wrong person, okay? And by the way, why did I say Instagram on the radio? It's because we have Instagram Live going on, okay? <laughs> but yeah, when you're buying or selling real estate, you're going to want to hire a professional as well. Um, 
because if you look at where people negotiate, you can literally pull up on MLS how realtors are negotiating, right? So the Dispirito team, we've been negotiating at 100% of list price for our sellers over the average of the year. I didn't know MLS disclosed that. MLS is fantastic. We have so much data in front of us, which is amazing. Now, the average realtor across Rhode Island is negotiating at about 96%. Okay, so basically we're earning our clients about 4% more. Think about that for a second. 4% That's huge. more. On a $300,000 home, it's 12 grand, yeah. right? 12 grand. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So well, that, almost covers the entire commission. So, yeah, exactly. absolutely. Absolutely. That's paying for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, basically, if you want to lose money, you're going to go for the agent that's going in just charging you like, oh, hey, you know what? I'm going to come in, slap a lockbox in your house, take camera phone photos. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how to negotiate kind of thing. It doesn't really matter because homes sell themselves. No, not at all. You're going to want to go with somebody that has a proven marketing background, whether mm-hmm. it's my team or not. There's other really fantastic players out there in Rhode Island. OK, we would love to help you out. And we're available for you. 401-359-2338. But there's, I would just say, look people up on Zillow, look people up on Google, read the reviews, check them out, ask friends and family who they have used, and then do your research on those people as well. Yep. Um, and yeah. What about um, if your home needs some repairs, you know, like there's some necessary repairs to the home? Is that a mistake that a lot of people uh, make? I am so glad you asked that question, John. That's a perfect question. When you're getting ready to sell a home, the biggest mistake you can make is not disclosing repairs that are major or that need to get done or not actually fixing them. Mm. Okay. So one of the things we suggest our clients to do, and this has made them and saved them thousands of dollars is do a pre-list home inspection. Now we take on one of the most reputable um, inspection companies in the area. We, we actually use two or three different ones, but Mike Auger is constantly on the show. He's with Patriot Home Inspections. We use him all the time. Yeah. The realtors know him. They trust him. He gives a huge report with everything and anything wrong with the house. What we do with our sellers is we go through this entire report and we say, listen, this is going to get flagged by an appraiser, okay? Or these items here are, um, you know, are like mold in the attic. It's so common. Right. Fifty percent of homes, I swear, like half of the homes that I go into have mold in the attic. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, but it's enough to scare off a first time home buyer. So if a seller is going to address it in advance, sounds like you've just saved a deal. We just saved the deal before it could even happen. And another thing, too, with that, John, is that, yeah, by not making repairs, you're really losing money because that house might not appraise with FHA, three and a half percent down financing. Uh, VA, the Veterans Financing, USDA, or Rhode Island Housing. Those are all um, government-insured programs where a home has to be safe. It has to have no chipping paint, handrails, stuff like that, no mold, right? So, yeah, that's definitely a biggie. And they, Go ahead. I was just going to say, so repairs is one of the most important things. you got to take care of that or at least disclose it if there's... Something you, you something do. that needs to be repaired. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the costs we're not thinking of that are costly mistakes that the sellers need to be aware of? I, I would say um, some of the costly mistakes that, that sellers are not aware of is it really has to go down to uh, negotiation skills. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back into when hiring a realtor. But nobody thinks to ask if the realtor can negotiate. You want to <laughs> know if a realtor can negotiate? You want to know how? How do you know? Okay, when they go in and they say their fee is 6% and you get them down 4%, that realtor is not negotiating. I would not want to hire a realtor that cannot even negotiate their own pay 
because they're supposed to be negotiating my two, three, four hundred thousand, one million dollar home. How much money are they going to lose me when they don't even care to negotiate their own pay? It's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's solid. It really is solid. I had one more question yeah, for you. Please. What about we talk about mispricing your home, but what about mistiming the sale? Mm-hmm. Ooh, what, what do you mean by that? By the market? Yeah, I guess yeah. just you know selling at the wrong time. How can that affect your? You is know? there a wrong time? Yeah, so that's another thing too. I mean, it's kind of like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? right? It's it's one of those things. There is always buyers out there, unless you have some property that is super duper unique. Um, you know, that would have so many different seasonal features to it. And I'm not talking flowers and basic lawn stuff. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about maybe if you have a home on the ocean, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You're going to do better. And and maybe April, because people want to beat the spring market, buyers want to beat the competition. But ideally, May, June, July, August, September, October, when it's kind of warmer out, you get the breeze going, you can really see that. But for almost every other home, uh, Melissa and John, you're you're looking at pretty much any time of year is good. Right now is actually a fantastic time to be on the market because you don't have tire kickers. Let me put it this way. In the mm-hmm. spring and in the summer, you may have nine people enter into an open house. Mm-hmm. Out of those nine people, three are brand new looking at houses. Okay, three brand new buyers looking at houses. Uh, they are not ready for another six months or so. The other three are just nosy neighbors or tire kickers. <laughs> And the other three are serious. So now you're in winter, you have three people come in, all of those people are serious, and they are in a position where they have to move. They're highly motivated. So if you know how to negotiate as a realtor, you're going to be able to negotiate a very high price for your clients when they're selling. Yep. It's a great great information. Yeah, it's a great point. Thank you. Thank you very much. So good stuff. We've got a lot more to cover here. I know later on the show, we're going to talk about flood insurance with John LaPointe. And we're also going to be talking about different closing costs and different scenarios with Melissa Delena with Delena Law next. This is the Roundtable Real Estate Simplified. And you can check us online at despiritoteam.com or call our off-air number at 401-359-2338. For any questions. Thank you so much. We'll be right back here on WHJJ News Radio 920. Good morning. Welcome back to the Roundtable Real Estate Simplified. This is Emilio Desperado. I'll be your host for the rest of the hour. And I'm in the studio today with Melissa Delano with Delano Law. Welcome back to the show, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Good morning, everybody. Always great. And this is your show all about real estate. So if you haven't tuned in before, we're talking about different ways to save money, to make money, to um, you know, pretty much do anything you can to really live out the American dream as uh, as much as possible, if that makes any sense. So we have on experts like Melissa, and she's uh, she's going to share today. Money being exchanged between buyers and sellers. So, I mean, of course, <laughs> there's the sentiment of buyers are buying the seller's house, right? So, of course, there's a big chunk of money being exchanged. But I'm talking more about the small items. Okay. Things that can come up um, throughout the course of the transaction, whether it be a closing cost credit, okay. um, a repair credit as a result of the inspections, rental adjustments if it's a multifamily, even fuel adjustments. Um, those are all items that are going to impact the real estate transaction and the way money is going to be exchanged between buyers and sellers. So first is the idea that there's this sentiment that everything is supposed to be disclosed openly on the settlement statement. So there's not supposed to be anything outside of the settlement statement. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important understanding, I think, for listeners, especially first-time home buyers, to realize we need all of this to be in one place. Mm-hmm. And the struggle is sometimes in the lender piece. 
Melissa, I want to ask you something, though, about the settlement statement. So sure. the settlement statement is what the buyers and sellers get separately at the closing, and it has all of their costs on there. Correct. Okay. Yes, thank you for making sure everybody knows what that is. No, you're welcome. Thank you. And I've actually had it where I've been in closings where people were talking about, you know, sliding envelopes under the table, and, and that's a big no-no, correct? Correct, yes. So, so what if, like, let me ask you something. So if there is somebody with, like, um, an oil adjustment, mm-hmm. so when you're selling your home, you get paid back from the buyer an oil credit if there's oil in the tank. Yes. What happens if that doesn't make the closing disclosure on time? Can the buyer hand the seller a check? So it does happen from what I hear. Okay. Right? Is that there are things that are outside of closing because of the timing. And that's where it really does become a dance with the lender. Mm. So in an ideal world, a seller would get us a um, receipt for the value of the oil, and it's really more of a tank reading. So the yeah. oil company has to go out and verify, yes, there's two-eighths left, and this is the total per gallon, mm-hmm. and you know now there's a $300 adjustment or whatever the case may be. So that should be on the settlement statement, but the lender does have to bless that. So if it's coming in too late, i.e. the morning of the closing, the lender may not allow for that to be on the settlement statement. Mm. So now really there's one of two options. One is the seller can waive it, which they're very rarely interested in doing. Or two, you know, the buyers are going to have to manage that kind of item outside of closing with a check outside, which none of us in the room can really be party to. Because even buyers and sellers are signing a document that says this is a final accounting of the transaction. Transaction, there's nothing else between us mm-hmm. for this. So although, yes, I hear that there are envelopes and checks being exchanged, it's sure. not something that we can ever um, recommend or encourage or yeah. really be party to. And certainly agents are in that same boat. Understood. Definitely. So what other costs so, are I, associated I mean, with, with, with closing that people, you know, It can get a lot bigger than just a fuel adjustment. I mean, certainly rental adjustments in a multiple family um, and security deposits are also something that on occasion, more often than not, lenders will come back and say this is not something that can be included on the settlement statement. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is because of all the other credits that are included. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we see happen a lot where buyers have requested a closing cost credit. So this is money where the seller is giving back a reduction to the sales price to allow the buyer money towards their their overall purchase. And that's fine. However, in specifically FHA type financing transactions, the lender is going to say, hey, at a certain point, we can't allow more credits. This is it for your credit use. So you can't get a credit for the rental. You can't get a credit for security because Mm. you've already got too many credits, Mr. Buyer. You need to bring money to make this transaction work. And without that minimum investment, which Mm. is what we call it, we're not going to allow the loan to move forward because they're not going to be able to sell it on uh, the secondary market. So it does start to become really a financing lender constraint as to how many credits you can have, which is where we start to see this kind of thing happen when you have too many credits like repair credits or closing cost credits and rental adjustments. So you need to know that kind of early in the transaction as you're negotiating when there are things that come up. So, Melissa, and I know you're not a lender, but you're an attorney, a very, very bright attorney. You've been doing this for a long time. Very good at what you do. Well, thank you. What, you're welcome. What, and I mean that. What is the, the limit? Like, so you're talking about a limit to closing costs. When mm-hmm. you're FHA, which is 3.5% down right. program, which is federally insured, 
what is the limit? Is it 3%, 4%? Who sets that? So it's really more about whether or not the buyer is making that minimum 3.5% investment. Mm-hmm. So if you have a $100,000 sales price and the buyer has to put in 3.5%, that's a minimum of $3,500. Sure. So in that instance, the buyer has to bring or show that they've paid at least $3,500 as their investment into the transaction mm-hmm. between the down payment and any kind of prepaid homeowners and things of that nature. So that's where if you see on the settlement statement that the buyer is getting back money and they're not putting down that minimum investment, that's when the bank is going to say, no, this cannot move forward. Mm, That's where the struggle really starts. And that's why, you know, if you're in a multifamily under FHA, maybe identifying, hey, we're going to have some closing costs. We're going to have, excuse me, some rental credits coming in. We can't also negotiate a closing cost credit in this hypothetical because we won't be able to get it all above board. Wow. So, okay. So let's, let's take a step back and let's say somebody is closing on a three family home. Mm -hmm. It's their first home. Mm -hmm. They're using FHA three and a half percent down. Okay. And and this affects both seller and buyers. Okay. So um, they're doing that. They need to get, so the seller probably is an investor or maybe an owner, but they have the deposits of the the second floor and the third floor, maybe whatever, right? They got two different deposits in there, Melissa. Mm -hmm. What happens if that buyer is over their credits? Are they not allowed the deposits or can the seller cut them a check outside of closing? So by law, the seller is not supposed to be cutting the check outside of closing to the buyer because it's now extrinsic to the Mm. documentation relative to the lender. So there's a couple of options. I mean, one, certainly closing at the end of the month to mitigate any any rental adjustments because then there's only a day's worth and usually it's waived. Um, The other option would be potentially refunding the security deposit back to the tenant and now having the tenant cut a new security check Mm. to the new prospective buyer. That's an option, Uh, not one that I see happen frequently because a lot of times we're trying to restructure even tax adjustments. You know, real estate taxes need to be accredited and adjusted between the buyers and the sellers. So if we know that we're going to be tight on our credits, we may, instead of giving a credit from the seller to the buyer, we may pay the seller's taxes for the rest of the year and have the buyer reimburse the seller for the taxes. Mm. It's really all about strategizing the way the money shifts hands because the lender, in the lender's eyes, those closing or those tax credits, excuse me, mm-hmm. are going to reduce that minimum net investment, mm, sure. which is not really what we're trying to do. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a matter of us restructuring the way the tax credits look so that we can take advantage of the full closing cost credits. You know, when it comes to taxes and the way they're recorded here in Rhode Island are really tough mm-hmm. and it's really confusing for so many people. Absolutely. You know, we've, we've just had a client say, you know what? I'm I'm not understanding why I'm giving the buyer $2,300. I've paid my taxes. Yep. You know, what is that all about? So in that case, my guess is that your seller probably had a mortgage, in which case they were escrowing for their taxes and insurance. Mm -hmm. So they were accruing a deposit into the bank every month, but the bank had not yet dispersed those taxes because they simply were not yet due. Mm -hmm. So in that case, the best information that I can furnish to a seller is let's look at your escrow account. If you have an overage in your escrow account, which is most often the case, Mm -hmm. then you're actually going to receive a refund back from the bank 
for that escrow account that went unused because we had to make this credit to the buyer. Mm. Um, so I just had one yesterday where we were cutting a $6,200 credit to the buyer for taxes, yep. but my seller had $4,500 in escrow. So when I show them that they're getting that $4,500 back, it That's makes nice. sense to them that they understand, well, all that money they've been paying in isn't lost. Even though it's not yeah. been applied to the town, it's still available to come back. Let's talk about a, a couple of other costs that people may not realize. Now, there's smaller costs that are involved, like tax stamps, mm -hmm. right? $4.60 per 1000 when the home sells. Yep. There's also um, a wire transfer charge, right? Yep. Sellers typically pay both of those costs. They So they pay for the buyers and for the... So I, not I the buyers. There okay. wouldn't be a buyer wire transfer. Sometimes there is well, for the cash. attorney. But yeah, if there's cash, there's no wires the oftentimes. The, yeah. Okay. Okay. So... Um, but yes, the seller are the seller will be responsible for certain costs associated with their tax stamps, their commissions, obviously, uh, the attorney doc prep fee, any kind of administrative costs for recording discharges, making the overnight um, available for the attorney to send out their mortgage payoff, mm -hmm. and it, you know it's probably a few hundred dollars in what I call kind of ancillary miscellaneous charges that the sellers are not probably planning on. Mm, sure. So you're gonna want to make sure that you have an attorney or somebody that really knows the business explaining all of this to you beforehand and, and during the process. You know, one of the things that we've found really helpful for our clients is, you know, when we start with a client, we say, hey, listen, uh, we actually just recently today, we started with a new client, okay? And we said, hey, listen, Rich, you know, this is what we do. This is who we suggest to speak with. Do you have your own attorney? No. Okay, listen, here's a couple different names mm -hmm. we would suggest to speak with mm -hmm. him or her, right? And we do a lot of business with you, Melissa. And, yeah. you know, he chose to work with you, which is great. So he knows he can reach out to you and ask you Anytime. any kind of legal questions yep. throughout the entire transaction. And what I love most about re really good real estate attorneys here in Rhode Island and Mass is you don't charge a retainer fee up front. Right. I mean, our business structure is pretty much aligned with agents where like we're ours, transactional. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I tell clients whether I talk to you once or I talk to you 101 times, our fee is not going to change. That's not how it works. Yeah. But what does happen is that parties can get frustrated with the transaction if they're not getting the communication and the answers to their questions that they need. So we always encourage clients call us, even if we're not in your face all the time, because a lot of times as a real estate attorney, we're sort of in the background, Yes. you know, yep. working behind the scenes. We are here for your support. Yeah. That's great. Good stuff. If you have any questions, please give us a call on our off-air number, 401-359-2338. I'd like to thank Melissa Delena with Delena Law for coming in today. Feel free to stick around if you'd like through the rest of the show, Melissa, if you have time. All right, stay tuned. We're going to be right back here with John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance. And John's talking about flood premiums today. Pretty big topic because a lot of things are changing with the subsidiaries and all that. You're going to want to stay tuned for this. It affects a lot of Rhode Islanders inland as well. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back here on News Radio 920. Good morning. Welcome back to the Roundtable Real Estate Simplified. Whenever you hear that music, you know what it is. It is Rhode Island Bloggers, the top five events here in Rhode Island with Jennifer Jaber with rblogger.com. Jen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. What's happening? What do we got going on out in Rhode Island? Well, we have Starlet Strolls will be taking place during Christmas at Blythewald from 5 to 8 p.m. on Thursday evening. So you still have a few more chances to get there. Um, discover a brand new way to enjoy the season. 
It's an illuminated stroll along the beautiful path of Blythewald's enclosed garden. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the sparkling trees and the paths all aglow. There's also a scavenger hunt. Um, All ages are welcome, and it's free with regular admission. Nice. The Bristol Theater Company and JMG Theater Company present It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio play at the Bristol Theater Company on December 15th and 16th. The beloved American holiday classic will come to life as a live 1940s radio 1940s radio broadcast with the help of a few dozen characters. Um, you can watch as George Bailey's life unfolds one fateful Christmas Eve. You get your tickets in advance at $17 for adults and $12 for students and seniors. Under five are free, um, and everybody is $20 at the door if you don't get your ticket in advance. So You know, Jen, I don't, I don't know of really any other... Christmas movie, which is as touching as It's a Wonderful Life. Have you guys ever saw that movie? It's, oh, of course. It's the best. Classic. Oh, that yeah. movie like brings tears to my it eyes does. sometimes. Yeah. It really does. Like a really great movie. Awesome. It is. Sounds like it a is. good it's time. Wonderful, and I can only imagine, you know, as a play, how how great it would be to see. Good. What else? Uh, what else? December fifteenth, from twelve to four p.m., the holiday market and cultural extra- extravaganza will take place at the Southside Cultural Center of Rhode Island. Um, you can celebrate the season with multicultural performances, storytelling, music, craft vendors, and much more. And it's free, and all are welcome. Mm-hmm. The Providence Flea Holiday Markets will be December 15th and 16th from 10 to 4 p.m. at Hope High School. I believe it's in the cafeteria, but I'm sure if you get to Hope High School, you'll be able to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be over 65 local artists, artisans, makers, and vintage vendors. There'll be a juried selection of handmade art and design craft and clothing, small batch food and gift items, jewelry, vintage wares, and so much more. So it's a really uh, unique, fair, and great way to get some local shopping done. Hope in Maine presents Meet Your Maker December 16th from 10 to 2 at Hope in Maine and Warren. If you're a foodie, you're going to love this. Mm. Uh, You can tour and taste your way through uh, the many makers, marketplace, and open house. There's a rotating cast of the newest and most exciting Rhode Island-based food and beverage companies. Um, you'll be able to meet and mingle with them. There's makers of coffee, cold drinks, produce, farm goods, prepared foods, sweet treats, specialty products, and much more. And there's also a hands-on activities at the demo kitchen. So um, you get to learn a lot, too, and, and see how some of these awesome Rhode Island-based food companies are making their wonderful things. Delicious. Good stuff. And if they want to check it out, they can check it all out at riblogger.com, right? They sure can. Was that five, Jen? You rattle these things off so quickly. <laughs> I thought that was five, and I'm sorry. I had too much coffee this morning. No. <laughs> fast. No, you're good. You're good. There's some times where, like, you know, people will be listening and be like, Emilio, you only gave her four. And I'm like, oh, my God. I feel bad. <laughs> I meant to say I'm sorry about that, by the way. I've probably been doing that for three years now. So Just I'm Well, you know, it's hard four. to tell, yeah. like, when you're talking what five minutes is anyway. I mean, to me, at least. It, it, it actually, I feel like it goes by quick. It really does. This show goes by so quick. It does. We love being here. So uh, Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com. Jen, thanks so much for being such a great uh, resource for Rhode Island and anybody that wants to visit this beautiful state. Thank you. Have a great week. You're welcome. You too. You too. So if you're just joining us, this is the Roundtable Real Estate Simplified. This is your show all about real estate. We appreciate you being here with us. We had a really fantastic show today. It's not done yet. We're going to talk about the real estate news in two seconds. But I'd like, again, if you're just tuning in to introduce Melissa Delena with Delena Law. She's a real estate attorney here in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Uh, welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks. Always good to be here. You bet. You Thank you. And John LaPointe with LaPointe. Insurance and John's company, you guys cover auto, business, 
life and home and home, especially home and home. <laughs> yeah. And you work with investors and buyers and homeowners alike, which is really great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Good stuff. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you guys being a resource. And uh, by the way, if you have any questions for them, just feel free to text me and I'll connect you with them. 401-359-2338. Or you can call me. It's my off year number 401 359 2338. We have a professional literally in every single area of real estate. You need a hardwood floor guy? I got one. You need a plumber? We got one. You need an electrician, an attorney, whoever. Insurance, we have it. So feel free to use us as a resource. These are all people in our you know, circle here that do a lot of great business, all five-star reviews. So the market, you know, we have, we're always like a month or two behind with numbers mm-hmm. when they finally come out, mm-hmm. right? And I think this is really interesting that, um, you know, for a little while, home listings inventory, housing inventory kind of went up a little bit and it actually teetered back down. That's pretty normal around this time of year. So if you're thinking about selling right now, you have fewer homes on the market that you're going up against and you have some serious buyers that are out there trudging through the snow or the cold weather to get to your home. So that's a good thing. Uh, distressed properties are up a tad. It's not really bad. There's only 43 distressed single-family homes in Rhode Island. That's mm-hmm. nothing. not a big number. That's no. nothing. And distressed, by the way, is foreclosures or short sales. Mm. That's really good because back in the day, I mean, a couple of years ago, we were looking at two, three, four hundred at a pop. Wow. Mm. Yeah, like 10% of the market mm-hmm. at a pop. That's crazy, right? Down to about 1% of the market being distressed. That's really, really healthy. That's a really healthy market. So things are really good. And uh, it's not, it's not you know, the sky is falling right now. You know, things are leveling off a bit. Price appreciation looks to be about 4.5%. Uh, I'm sorry, 4 to 4.5% here in Rhode Island over the next year. That's kind of what we're gauging. Um, so this is good stuff, guys. Days on market are still showing that we're in a seller's market. Um, we're teetering around 50 to 60 days on market, depending on where you are. Some areas are over um, 100 days on market. Some towns, there's little pockets here in Rhode Island that are over 150 days on market. So you're going to want to make sure you get a local uh, area expert out there to help you out. And my team, we cover the entire state of Rhode Island and bordering Massachusetts. So give us a call, 401-359-2338. If you have any questions about buying, selling, investing, 401-359-2338. I'd like to thank Christina, our producer, for doing a fantastic job with the show, making us sound clean and crisp and good. Uh, I'd like to thank Melissa Delano with Delano Law for being here, as well as John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance and Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com. Thank you guys very much. Thank, thank you. you. You're welcome. And most importantly, our listeners, you, for keeping this show alive for about three years now. Thank you so much. Stay tuned next week when we're back here with some real, more real great real estate content. We'll be back. Take care. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in with us today at the Roundtable Real Estate Simplified. My name is Emilio Despirito. I run the Despirito team. We are a full service team of real estate agents and cover Rhode Island and Massachusetts. And on the show, we're covering all sorts of topics involved in real estate. And one of the topics today is flood insurance. And no one's better to talk about this than John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance. Thank you. Welcome back to the studio, Yeah, John. good to be back. And this is an interesting topic. Flood insurance is something that... Uh, a lot of people don't know about it. You yes. know, it's just, it's not as common as home insurance, I guess. So yeah. uh, a lot of questions come up with flood insurance, especially when somebody's buying a house that mm-hmm. might be, might need flood insurance. Um, 
and we'll get into that a little bit. It's a great topic. And I'd also like to welcome Melissa Delano with Delano Law. Hello. Good to be back. Melissa, you see a, a lot of times where, you know, flood insurance is involved with purchases and with sales and all that. So It can actually be detrimental to a transaction if it's mm-hmm. not been contemplated early in the transaction. Exactly. So I'm glad it, John's here talking about it at the, the jump. Yep, exactly. So if you're... Um, you know, if you're looking at buying a house and you didn't know that it was in a flood zone, your lender didn't tell you that flood mm. insurance was going to be required uh, early enough in the process, you could go through all the work uh, about buying this property, and then you find out that you have a flood insurance premium that you're going to pay in excess of a thousand dollars a year. Oh yeah, that home is now cost prohibitive. You know, it's you're you're no longer able to buy that property. You know, John, we were selling a very small house, a very affordable house in actually West Warwick a couple years back, and no one knew that it was in a flood zone because there's some areas where you wouldn't even realize it's a flood area. Okay. It's not, it's not near the coast. It's not necessarily near a body of water or a a river, but, um, you know, the folks at, uh, the national flood insurance program, NFIP Mm -hmm. FEMA that develop the flood maps, they're a lot smarter than we are. They know (laughs) where flooding could happen. Um, so I don't know, you know, that we won't get into the details of how exactly they determine what's a flood zone and what's not. But, um, the, the fact that a home's in a flood zone means that there's a higher chance that that property is going to flood than it others through the transaction mm-hmm. off though so oh absolutely so, so going forward ever since then we learned to contact somebody like yourself like if you're buying a home you or your real estate professional should be contacting someone like john lapointe to find out if that if that home's in a flood area and right. how much that would cost yep john when somebody has homeowners insurance okay does homeowners insurance include flood insurance? That's a great question. A lot of people don't know that it doesn't. Home insurance does not cover flood. Um, it's one of the very few exclusions that's huh. actually on a standard home insurance policy. Sure. Floods, earthquakes is another one. Yep. You know, I think nuclear disasters. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so anyway, uh, flood insurance is not covered by home insurance. So you need a separate policy for it. And you're not required to get flood insurance on your home. Um, the only way, the only reason that people are required to carry flood insurance is because their lender mm. or bank tells them that they have to get it. Because yeah. it's the same reason why uh, lenders require home insurance because mm-hmm. they're protecting their investment. You know, when you're buying a house and getting a mortgage on it, the bank owns the majority of that property. They yeah. they still have you know much more skin in the game than the, the person living in the house. So they want you to have flood insurance if it's in a flood zone, mm-hmm. and they want you to have home insurance. Always. Of course. John, I'm working with buyers right now, and they're looking around two and a half, three million dollars, okay, for properties that are right on the lovely coast here in Rhode Island. Now, I heard, and if, could you tell me if this is true or not, that flood insurance only covers $250,000, right? And the premiums on these things are like anywhere from four to $10,000 a year. So they said, you know what? $250,000 is a drop in the bucket. We're just not going to, and that's crazy, right? That's a lot of money. Right. Drop in the bucket. We're just not going to do that. Ha- have you had that experience with some of the higher end homes? And is that true, that $250,000? Yep. So through the, through the NFIP, okay. um, FEMA-backed flood insurance, you know, the federal government flood insurance, sure. and um, most of the private companies who work with, the most that one flood insurance policy will cover is $250,000. Mm. So that's the total claim. Right. But- if your home is worth more than that, it's going to yeah. cost more to replace that, like a million-dollar home, let's say, 
Yep. You can buy what's called an excess flood policy okay. through a private company that will cover above and beyond that $250,000. So you, mm. you can get flood insurance to completely rebuild your home, but it would come in the form of two separate policies. Is that like Lloyd's of London, like companies like that, they provide that? Typically. More often than not, if we're using a private flood insurance company, the, the policy is underwritten by mm-hmm. Lloyd's of London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, John, I heard some of my clients another time, they were thinking about either going mortgage or cash. They could go either way. And if they went mortgage, they would have had to get a flood insurance premium, and they just didn't want to do it. So we found a loophole for them, and we found that if you go with a non-federally chartered bank, a.k.a. private lender, yep. or if you go cash, you are not required to have flood insurance. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, but, you know, it's up to the bank to decide if they want you to get flood insurance as, mm. as a term of their loan, their mortgage, you know. Um, they're the ones who ultimately decide whether or not you need flood insurance. And they use the same maps that we do than the gov- government uses sure. to make that determination. If it's in a high-risk, quote-unquote, high-risk zone, mm-hmm. more often than not, they requ- require you to carry flood insurance. But if you're using a private lender or you're paying cash, nobody's there to tell you that you need to get it. Um, I think you'd be foolish not mm. to. But Yeah, I agree. But you, you don't have to. It's yeah. the same reason. You don't need to get home insurance if you buy your home cash or with a private lender. You, nobody's, I couldn't imagine. Nobody's telling, you, nobody's telling you you have to. There's no, there's no law that says you have to get home insurance. And, you know, so if you bought a house cash and you don't decide not to insure it, it burns down. You're retaining that risk yourself, you know? Wow. That's, see, that's such a big, big thing to lose. I mean, your house is really like what, what bigger item do most people have? you know, that they own, like they they don't. That's it. That's it. I mean, why would you have a house without insurance? It's crazy. Yeah, that totally is crazy. So now, all right, let's talk about the different mortgage programs. And and I'm not sure, you know, you might be the wrong person to ask because I probably should be asking a lender, but you deal with a lot of different cases, John. Sure. All right. So if somebody is going like FHA and you said that the bank requires for them to be, if it's in a flood zone, the bank requires it to be you know, insured. I know federally backed programs, federally backed, uh, federally insured programs like FHA, which is three and a half percent down veterans, 100 percent financing, Rhode Island housing, which is 100 percent financing. All of that stuff is absolutely without a doubt they're going to require it. But have you ever seen any conventional mortgage programs where they said, you know what, you're in a flood zone, but you know, what? it's on you? Have you ever saw that? I haven't run into it personally. No, I haven't run into me it either. personally. I no, think I that, haven't seen that either. You know, um, whoever's you know um, underwriting the loan, mm-hmm. you know, with the bank or you know the investors that they're selling it to. I think that that they're savvy enough to know that if it's in a flood zone, they're not going to write the loan unless yeah. there's flood insurance on it. You know, it's it, there's just too much risk involved. So how can I make sure I'm getting a competitive quote when I am like, you know, how how do I know I'm getting the best deal? Like when I'm going to like LaPointe Insurance, how do I know that I'm going to get the best deal through you yeah, that's for great, something that I don't want to spend money on? It's a great question. So some you mentioned the different loan programs, right? Mm-hmm. So certain loan programs, it's my understanding that like an FHA loan, for instance, if you're using an, you're going through FHA for your mortgage, yep. um, they actually require you to get flood insurance from the government, from NFIP, the hmm. flood insurance program. Uh, that's my understanding. Yeah. And somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, but I, uh, I've run into this before right. and I think that's the case. So if you're getting flood insurance through the National Flood Insurance Program, you could go to any agent, you could go to us, mm-hmm. you know, any other independent agency, 
and get that flood insurance, and the rate's going to be exactly the same. Mm. It doesn't matter. So if you have to get federally backed flood insurance, no matter who you talk to, the rate's going to be the same. Mm. And it's not always the best rate. But if your lender isn't requiring you to get NFIP, federally backed flood insurance, let's say you're doing a conventional loan, you can get flood insurance through a private company. Okay. And that's oftentimes Lloyd's of London, like we talked about. Yep. And, um, you know, we work with actually a number of uh, wholesalers, essentially, that can get you a competitive rate on flood insurance through Lloyd's of London. Mm-hmm. Well, Lloyd's of London's like the, really the largest insurer in the world, and it's made up of all these different syndicates. Okay. So depending on who we go to for a quote, the rates can actually be a little different. Um, And we shop it around just like we do everything else. So if you reached out to us for a flood insurance quote, you're eligible for private flood insurance. Yeah. We're going to shop it around to four or five different carriers and make sure we get you the best rate. Sure. So why wouldn't somebody do that? uh, They just don't, they don't know they can, you know, we, um, yeah, we, we always make sure we shop it around because uh, if you don't have to get private or if you don't have to get the federally backed flood insurance, private flood insurance is usually a much better rate. Yeah. It really is. You can save hundreds, thousands of dollars by not using that program. That's great. If you have any off, uh, off-air questions that you would like, um, I can connect you with John, no problem. I always give my phone number out, so I feel like people know that one the best, but we're going to drop your website Absolutely. as well. But call, call us on our off-air number, 401-359-2338. We'll connect you with John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance, answer any of your insurance questions. Again, 401-359-2338. Feel free to text me as well, and I'll just send your information right over to John. Happy to help. Yeah. John, what's your website if they want to look you up? Yeah, so our website is uh, lapointeins.com. That's L-A-P-O-I-N-T-E-I-N-S.com, I-N-S as an insurance. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, check out our website. We actually have a link right on there if you're looking to... uh, get a quote on flood insurance, you can just fill out a quick form, two, three questions, and we can work on that for you. Yeah. You know what I love about LaPointe Insurance is that, you know, as an investor, I'm always shopping around some of the best rates, the best service and all of that. And John was able to come in and actually give me a much more aggressive rate than the competitors. And also he's done the same thing for a lot of my clients as well when they're purchasing either their first home or an investment property or even getting business uh, insurance car insurance, the whole nine. They really do a fantastic job. They shop out the rates to make sure that you are getting the best overall value. So definitely check out uh, LaPointe Insurance uh, at LaPointeins.com. Good stuff. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back here. You're welcome. Thank you. We're going to be right back here with uh, Rhode Island Bloggers top five events here uh, in Rhode Island. Stay tuned. We'll be right back here on the Roundtable Real Estate Simplified.